Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And if you are planning on doing a barbecue across the weekend, which a lot of people do when we get that nice, fine weather, we'll have tips around keeping everybody safe at the barbecue. And in particular, it's the cooking of the food. And I don't know if it's just me, but I'm always a little bit nervous around cooking food at a barbecue. And I'm not the meaty eater. So I'm always just afraid that the meat that I'm cooking for somebody else, that it is going to be cooked enough. And then you're worried that you're just burning the outside. And if you leave it on, is it just going to be the outside completely burnt that the person can't eat so I've never quite felt that confident around a barbecue unless it's anything to do with the grilling of veg I'm quite good at that and the making up of the salads that go with it anyway we'll have advice on barbecues and if you have a question with regard to uh, barbecues get it into us because we'll have an expert joining us uh, later on on the programme and I want to start by wishing everybody the best of luck who's taking part in the Galley Head Swim it's in aid of Marymount University Hospital and Hospice and the West Cork underwater search and rescue it's taking place tomorrow and by God haven't they picked a great day for it it's going to kick off tomorrow morning quarter to 11 the swim will start from the Red Strand and then they'll go round the galley head and they'll finish on the Warren Beach and I don't know how many is taking part but just can we wish the best of luck to everybody there keep a lookout for them if you're down around either Red Strand Warren Beach or the galley head tomorrow uh, and, and in aid of some very good causes as well John Paul taking your call this morning at 1850 You can text or WhatsApp the programme anytime throughout the day to 086 And talking of calling and texting, we're always trying to keep you up to date with scam calls that are doing the rounds. And we seem to, certainly in the last number of months, you keep hearing from people that mobile phones in particular constantly ringing and people getting scam calls. And it's either a recorded message telling you the Gardaí or looking into you or your, something's happened with your PPS number or it's the bank saying somebody's trying to take money from you and you know and we're always telling people be very careful be very wary particularly of numbers that you don't know well something that happened to me yesterday 
I got a phone call uh, and like that I'm constantly saying I do not answer calls that come from a number that I don't know and my theory is if it's somebody that's really trying to contact me they will leave a message but I was expecting a call yesterday from Dublin so when this number came up on my phone and it was an Irish number and I said that must be it and I picked it up and I said hello and there was this lovely woman at the end of the line going hello Dublin woman with Dublin accent saying hello and she said I'm returning uh, a missed call and uh, I said from mine this number and I asked her then was it the business that I, w- I was expecting a call from she said no this is a private number and I said okay tell me what happened and she said I got your number came up on my phone and she said and I said I tell you exactly now what that is it's a thing called caller ID spoofing and how I knew about it was it had happened to me earlier on in the year it was actually while I was on air I got a mix, missed call and then a text message from it turned out to be a gentleman in Kerry saying that he was returning my call. So I texted him when I came off air. I texted back and said, I didn't call you. And in the end, anyway, we rang each other and he said that he'd had a call from me. And I said, what time did I call you at? And he said, you called me at 10.15. And I said, I'm telling you now, I couldn't have called you at 10.15 today. And I said, you don't know me from Adam, but I work in radio and I was actually on air. And he said, could somebody have got your phone? And I said, no, my phone was actually beside me on silent. So I said, nobody could have got got my call I said somehow some scam artist is using my phone number pretending that it's coming from my number so then I did a bit of investigation into it and it's something called caller ID spoofing whereby the scam artists managed to change the caller ID to another number that they're actually calling from so my actual telephone number was being used pretending that it was coming from my number but of course it wasn't. It was. It could have been coming from uh, anywhere in the world the call but they do this thing called call spoofing, caller ID spoofing and it, it usually it's the numbers are randomly generated. They just generate a series of numbers but the woman I was talking to yesterday when I was explaining to her what it was. I said, if you just Google caller ID spoofing, you'll see what it is. But she had said that the the previous day she had just received an amount of these calls and she knew that they were all scam calls. So she wasn't answering any of them. Some of them left those pre-recorded messages. But she just said that when my one came in, she just decided she'd give it a try and uh, call it back. I'm just hoping that I don't get a flurry of them, that I don't get endless amount of people calling me back trying to say, who are you? Because I've seen, when I went online and did started to investigate this call ID spoofing to see how bad could it get, I saw one woman in America who said her phone literally was ringing off the hook with people returning the calls saying, I had a missed call for me, I had a missed call for me, I had a missed call for me. She ended up ha- having to change her phone number. I'm hoping that I don't have to go to that length because seemingly if it gets very bad and if my number is being used a lot in this caller ID spoofing, then I really will have no choice but to change the number, which would really, really irritate and annoy me if I had to do that. But I got thinking about it yesterday when I was again looking into this this caller ID spoofing. And the one thing I have noticed is when you hear from people saying oh I'm constantly getting those scam calls and I know even John Paul has the work phone the phone that we use for for the programme the Cork Today phone and he says that that for some reason that particular phone we get an awful lot of those scam calls to it 
But to my own personal phone, I don't get that many scam calls. And then instead, my number is being used for the ID spoofing. And I don't know which is the which is the worst of the two to have because as I say if the spoofing takes off and I end up getting a lot of callbacks from people then I'm going to have no no choice but to change the number but just to let people know if you do get a call from somebody or a text from somebody who's saying your number definitely rang me that's what it is the, the person didn't you, you didn't ring them and nobody used your phone but unfortunately these scam artists are able to change the caller ID to any number other than the actual number that they are calling from. Rather annoying indeed. But definitely there seems to be an increase in these scam calls and certainly this year, and I don't know why this year, I did see a piece where we here in Ireland, we have, and there was no explanation for it, but we seem to have one of the highest numbers of we seem to be getting the highest number of these scam calls across all of the countries in Europe and I don't know if it's because some people have got sucked in and some people have ended up giving details and contact details to these criminals and end up losing money and of course if the criminals know that there's a part of the world where they can dupe people and people are falling for the scams then of course more and more people will head to that area that's why we have to keep talking about these scam calls we keep have to remind people of these scam calls and telling people just to be very very careful particularly if a number comes up on your phone that you don't know. 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp up to 086 to 103 103 with a reminder that today we will have another one of our 310 C103 smart speakers to give away. You need to remember the winning phrase because whatever lucky listener joins me on air, on air will ask them to repeat the winning phrase which of course is play C103. On scam calls, as soon as you mention scam calls and this spoofing that happened on my phone uh, yesterday, Jen says, Patricia, I'm absolutely sick of getting these scam calls I am getting so many of them and like you I don't answer numbers that I don't know but the the phone call seems to be constantly ringing uh, for Jen which is just it is so so uh, frustrating and then another listener says Trish they say that by saying hello hello, it activates the scam call so if you get a strange number answer it and don't say nothing and then they will hang up okay I, I remember hearing that before but then when I looked into that it seems that's the wrong information that's the wrong thing to do they say the best way to deal with scam calls is not to answer the call at all because if you answer the call then the number is considered in inverted commas good even if you don't fall for the scam they'll try again and again because they know that there's somebody on the other side of that phone line who is a potential victim for fraud. So the advice that the experts give is the less you answer, the fewer the calls you will get. Because remember, they generate, all of the phone numbers are gener- computer generated. They literally just computer, de- and a computer can generate millions of these phone numbers. And at the press of the button, they can send out calls or they can send out texts to millions of number numbers. And even if they only hit, even if only 10% of them are genuine numbers, and even if only a fraction of that 10% fall for the scam, then they will have, have made their, their, they will have made their money. So by actually answering the call, 
the scam artist then on the other end knows this is a real telephone number. So that's why they say the best advice is not to answer the calls at all. That's why if a number comes up that you don't know, just don't answer. And then if, as I say, if it is somebody genuinely trying to get through to you, they will leave a message uh, for you. John Paul is taking your calls at 1850-333-103. And if you're interested in drive-in bingo, Tom has just been on to say drive-in bingo in Aradlin Community Field is happening next Sunday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'd say leave the windows down in the car because it's going to be a warm one uh, for sure. But everyone's very welcome to go. That's drive-in bingo, Aradlin Community Field next Sunday at 3. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. A Kerry County Councillor has hit out at cruel and nasty comments posted on social media in the wake of a week of tragedy on Irish roads, including the death of a 14-year-old relative. Kerry County Councillor Jackie Healy Ray uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Jackie. Good morning, Patricia, uh, all your listeners. Well, you're, you're welcome. And firstly, sympathies to to your extended family on, you. on the death of your of your young cousin. It was such an dra- awful tragedy. Have you any understanding why people think it's OK to post such nasty, cruel comments? I think that we have a total lack of compassion left in the world, especially when it comes to social media and what people think is acceptable uh, to put out there what they think is acceptable, an acceptable opinion. Everyone has their right to an opinion. Everybody has the right to question. But I think when it comes to such sad tragedies, and look, of course, it was a, a tragic week uh, in, in our own family, but for many other families too, it was, it was a dreadful week, particularly for the death of young people on our roads. And again, some of the comments that I've that I, unfortunately seen, particularly under um, news articles posted by media outlets on their own, own social media pages, you know, questioning and thinking they knew what happened or the circumstances around this and, you know, why people feel that they have to add to the pain and suffering of already grieving families is simply beyond me. I mean, when I see how much pain and devastation, regardless of the person themselves that unfortunately lost their lives, they're loved by their brothers, their sisters, their mothers, their fathers, their friends, their communities. They're loved by them. And for for the pain that they suffer following their loss, God, does it really matter the circumstances that led to it? Because ultimately people paid for their mistakes with their lives. Yeah, and it's the families left then trying, to, ex- trying to pick up ab- the pieces. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and for anybody to come along and to post some of the vile stuff that I've seen on social media, again, I'd have to question if we have any compassion at all left in the world when it comes to, 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 to such tragedies like this. And you're suggesting, Jackie, that a possible answer could be a dedicated minister for social media. I, explain what his or her role would be. Well, look, I, look I, I think that social media is such a big player in the world now at the moment and has been for many years that I think we have to really put proper stringent rules in place. Last summer, um, Minister for Mental Health Mary Butler 
uh, came out and said that she would like to see um, stringent laws put in place regarding the regulation of social media. Since then, I mean, her, her, um, her, 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 she was very um, pragmatic in what she was saying, but it was all talk at, at that time, and nothing since has happened. One thing has happened: we have seen the introduction of Coco's Law uh, in into Ireland, which is which is very welcome. But like, we have done nothing to stamp out. Um, uh, abuse on social media, uh, uh, the vile stuff that we see, the nameless and faceless counts that are constantly trolling and posting and horrible stuff like, you know? And again, what would do I think it's absolutely necessary to have a minister for social media? Not if the government actually brought in rules and regulations to regulate it. But, if, but look, I think that it's, it's such a big a big thing in our lives now at the moment that I think it has to be regulated, even at a, at a junior ministerial uh, portfolio for it. I, I wouldn't think that we'd have to have a senior minister for it. But, but just somebody, somebody to be over it and in charge of it, and, uh, and, almost. And to, be, and to be giving it that focus that right now it's not getting. We see the tarnished Ali of Radcliffe coming out last week saying that, um, that, that uh, social media companies would have to be more accountable. And again, it's all talk. Nothing is happening. For example, in Norway last week, even though you know you'd have people who'd have many different opinions on it, but Norway last week brought in a rule for social media influencers that whereby if their pictures are anyway edited or doctored, they have to state that, and that mm. is no that is now a rule and a law in Norway. So why can't we bring in certain rules and regulations whereby one thing that would help a lot is whereby if people had to have verified. Uh, accounts. In other words, if you want to sign up to one of these social media platforms in Ireland, you have to verify who you are. In other words, you might have to upload or scan a document, be it a driver's license or passport. A passport. Yeah, yeah. So then that account is verified. Whereas at the moment, anyone can open as many, as many accounts as they want. The dog, the dog in the street can sign up and have uh, and have a social media account if they want and say whatever they want. Do you think we, we need to toughen up the laws to prosecute people who think it's okay to post whatever they like on social I, media? I, I absolutely do. And we had a case of this in Kerry in regards to the to the Ian Royce um, incident. You might have been aware the of that. The footballer, yeah. yeah, yes. And the young and, Kerry lad and, who thought it was okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and like, one thing, we take a very simple thing. The other night at the Euro 2020 final, three English players... Two of them, their penalties were saved very well by a very good Italian goalkeeper. And yes, the other one hit the post. And the the vile abuse that they got online. For what? For missing a goal? Mm. Is life... Have we such little problems in life? And like, make it even more simpler. A football match. A GA game which goes on every weekend now. And I see abuse the players get because they might puck a ball wide or they might miss a free. And, like, these are young players. And I've seen this in my own county. And we vilify these players. For what? 
you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and you like, mentioned you, you, you mentioned um, you mentioned Coco's uh, law, and I that was because of that young girl who took her yes. own life because Absolutely. of the abuse she was getting online. Yes. And I've I've interviewed her mother on on a number of occasions because yes. because nobody knows what's going on in somebody else's world Absolutely. and inside in somebody else's head when they decide to uh, you know keyboard warriors. You know, and what always gets to me is these brave keyboard warriors would never stand in front of somebody and no. say the, the spiteful nasty things that they think it's okay to type from the comfort of their bedroom. Yes. And some people are able for it. I get abuse day in, day out online and different things and different messages. I'm fine. I'm well able for it. I'm, I was brought up in a, in a world that I knew that these things happen and that I was well able to deal with it and ignore it. But some people unfortunately can't. And it gets to them. And of course, I'm not going to say that I'm <laughs> a big brave man that that, that that it doesn't get to me at times. Of course it does, especially when there's so much of it. But I'm glad that I have support systems around me that I know that that to ignore a lot of this stuff. You know? But like I say, there's some people who don't. And like I say, especially in t- in terms of tragedies, that when we have grieving families, do we really want these families to have to to see some of these comments? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It simply isn't good enough. Yeah. And like I say, the government has talked a lot about it, and very few of them have people who talk about it. But I heard um, Deputy Emer Higgins on the radio the other day. She's the spokesperson, by the way, for social media for Fine Gael. I think she's the only one who spokesperson, uh, appointed spokesperson for such a portfolio. But, like, I mean, talk is cheap. And we have to, and that's why I was impressed in the manner that they brought in Coco's Law. And, and we can do more, and we should do more. Because, like I say, it's not just hurting people, it's killing people. And we've been talking about this, I think, almost since social media first landed on our scenes. Yes, and don't get me wrong, I'm not a draconian dragon. I love social media. I love being able to go on Twitter, I love being able to go on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, and there's such good advantages. It has done such good, but with that, it has brought such evil as well, unfortunately. And enough, but we, enough is enough. Yes, and we can stamp it out once there's a willingness to do it. But unfortunately, the willingness isn't there. There's a lot of talk, but there's not enough action. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, Jackie, thanks wise for words. Thanks for that. And uh, Thank thanks you. for joining us. Uh, that is uh, Kerry County Councillor uh, Jackie uh, Healy Ray, 1850 333103. Colette in Bandon said they need to do something on the comments section on Facebook. Anything that's posted by somebody public or a newspaper item just seems to attract the complete and utter nutters or as Jackie says the people who just seem to have absolutely no empathy no sympathy for people and you know grieving families I mean what Jackie's family has gone through his extended family with that that young 14 year old cousin who got killed in the car crash I mean what they are going through without, without one of the family members deciding to read a newspaper article that was online to see the type of abuse that was uh, that people thought it was okay cruel nasty comments uh, following the death of this young lad and somebody thought it was okay to post uh, that it uh, really is uh, shameful 1850 and Gat on Twitter says the media f- uh, Minister for Social Media question mark no we are paying for enough ministers already without having another one social media should fall under business and security ministers get them to do their job and earn their money you don't need a dedicated minister for social media you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 
103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Over half of the population drinks alcohol on a weekly basis, with half admitting to binge drinking in the last 30 days. That's up 36% since the start of the pandemic. That's according to Drinkaware in their latest survey. And joining me from Drinkaware CEO, uh, Sheena Horgan. Good morning to you, uh, Sheena. Good morning. C- can you start by reminding us of what is defined as binge drinking? Because this is always a bone of contention for some people. Yeah, absolutely. And um, binge drinking is having six or more standard drinks in a single session, a single sitting. And what a standard drink is, it's 100 ml of wine. Um, it's a 35 ml bar pub measure of spirits and it's half a pint of beer. So effectively binge drinking with six standard drinks, that's six small glasses of wine, three pints of beer, six uh, pub measures of spirits. And I think probably one of the issues around binge drinking is that when we're drinking in the home setting, we might be free pouring, we might be more hospitable or generous with our measures, etc. And we're monitoring, less likely to monitor how much we're drinking. So hence, we find that a lot of people may be binge drinking without even thinking about it, without intending to. Yeah, I think the fa- the, the famous one, I think, for the females is the glass of wine, uh, but it yeah. depends on the size of the glass. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, the glasses have got larger. They're very, very popular. Now, to be fair, even in bars and restaurants, if you were ordering a glass of wine, it's probably 150 ml. It's probably not 100 ml. Um, if you were at home at the moment and you poured even water into a glass and measured 100 mil and measured 150 or 200, you can see the difference. And the 100, I think, just has now become, looks quite small for us. So optically, you'll go, that looks like very small glass. So I think people may be drinking more than they intend to then if you're going, I've had a glass of wine, when in fact, it may well have been two. And that's why things like at, at Drinkaware, you know, given that our purpose is to prevent and reduce the misuse of alcohol. We have things like resources and measuring cups, which are hugely popular, which are just free resources um, that we send out to people. So by having a measuring cup in the home, then they can actually utilise that to measure and become familiar with what a standard drink actually yeah, is. Yeah, and spirits is the real danger. We all know, we mm. all had the, the aunt or the uncle who was heavy-handed with the bottle of yeah. spirits at Christmas yeah. when you went for yeah. a drink. Uh, it's very easy to pour a what what could be a double or a triple vodka or a gin when you think it's, oh, it's just a normal measure. And it's, you really do need to measure spirits. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, we would have found, in because this is a survey that we do every year and have done this, I think, the sixth or seventh iteration, a couple of years ago, we did spot that a trend of, I think, was then 62% of drinking occasions were happening in the home. And we did a qualitative piece of work looking more into that to try and understand, is this now an emerging trend? Obviously, since COVID has hit, that has really stabilised that habit and ritual that people have. And so when people are consuming alcohol in the last year and a half, it is typically in the home setting. So, I mean, that, that's why the, the research in this year was very interesting to compare it with last year and go, OK, are there new established routines and normality? Which is why we're flagging the binge drinking on this, because we can see that that has gone up and it has increased 
even from last year. So it's very much becoming normalised. And we, we need to flag that, we need to be aware of it, we need to address it. Which, to be fair, is the other flip side that we found in the research. So on one hand, there's the increase in, in binge drinking, but similarly, there's also an increase in people's desire to drink less and those who've made small changes. So typically around about 30% of adult drinkers want to drink less and this year we found 37% have already made small changes. Well, that's good. So it's really, really important we close, you know, that gap between the two. So we convert that intention into action and we raise people's awareness about about being conscious of their drinking habits and being conscious of the measures that they're pouring and the numbers that they're pouring because binge drinking has a real impact on our mental health and well-being more so even than frequency. So it's, it's, it's a really... That is what makes, I think, Irish drinking different from other European nations is, is the binge element. We, the we amount, need to amount we drink. Yeah, and when, when, when you, I know more males than females uh, binge uh, drink, mm-hmm. what about amongst, is, it, is there a difference among the younger age group? There is the 18 to 24-year-olds more than any other age cohort were reporting binge drinking. So it's about a third of them. So it was 31% in April of this year it was 16% in April of last year. So that's a massive spike. And, you know, there's been an awful lot of coverage and commentary around our young people, you know, younger than 18, but also certainly 18 plus. So those who are in college years, first jobbers, and I suppose the stress, the uncertainty, the anxiety, the pressures that they've been under the last year and a half. And we do know classically from, from all sorts of research that alcohol is often used as a coping tool. And so when we see stats like this, we go, okay, we, we need to really address this. We need to look at that younger age group and we need to, you know, create communication, education programs specifically for them so that we can try and, and redress that. And while you talk about how binge drinking affects somebody's mental health, I'm, I'm assuming you saw the other piece of research that came out during the week suggesting that alcohol may have caused more than a thousand new cancer cases yeah. last year. That's not something that people often associate with drinking. Do you, do you know it really, really isn't? And every year around, particularly around, say, Breast Cancer Awareness Month or you know National Cancer Awareness Day, we will always look at those stats, we'll put some content out there on our social media channels and our digital channels because it is really important that people understand the harms that alcohol can cause and there is clearly a link with cancer that people just aren't aware of. I think the assumption is, yeah, liver, but people don't think about heart or esophagus or breast cancer in particular. So it, it's that link needs to be made. And, and I think for all the work that we do, and we've half a million people coming onto the website every year, we've tens of thousands of engagements through our social and digital channels. So we really need to keep the awareness up, keep the education going to, to keep scaling it. Because clearly from our research here and other research, people have an appetite and an interest in making good decisions, in making healthy decisions. But the, the tricky piece is to empower and enable them to do so. So the language that's used and the supports that we have, you know, you need to strike the right tone so it's pragmatic and practical and, and bring people, it's the scaremonger, it will have the opposite effect. People can shut down. Okay, Eva, one of our listeners has a question for you. She says, bearing Mm -hmm. in mind that the majority of pubs have been closed for the pandemic almost 18 months now, would you not, at Drink Aware, have expected to see less binge drinking? Do you know, it, it would, intuitively, that would seem logical, except, as I say, in 2019, so pre-COVID, one of our surveys was showing 
that 62% of drinking occasions were happening in the home. And that was when the pubs and restaurants were open. So we had spotted this at-home consumption as an emerging trend. And I think it's really just kind of, you know, taken on another life of its own, if you like, in the last year and a half. So intuitively, the logic would be there. But actually, we, we had seen this trend coming down the tracks. Okay, another listener says, could you ask our, uh, your expert, our expert is uh, Sheena Horgan, CEO of uh, Drink Away. Drink Aware. Is alcohol simply too available everywhere you go? You can get it in your local garage, you can get it in your supermarkets, uh, your convenience store. It's not just in the off-licence as it used to be many years ago. Yeah, it's, it's certainly very available, but I think even more so than that, it's, its prevalence is something that we as a society need to look at. So we will use alcohol as a, as a reward, as a, you know, an anxiety or a coping tool um, to say sorry, to say thank you, to say hi, I'm here, to celebrate for, for all sorts of reasons. And I think when you consider Irish social behaviours around weddings, funerals, christenings and confirmations and everything in between, you know, if we put alcohol within those social settings, so that's where the prevalence is coming in as much as the availability. I think from our, our experience and our work, and we would sit very much in that public health promotion space around behaviour change and looking at what is the theory of behaviour change? How can we, you know, encourage people to create positive behaviours? And, and certainly what we'd see is, you know, that there's the awareness, there's the education, and there's the environment as well. So you need environmental factors to be changed, and that's what the Public Health Alcohol Act is about, and that's where the availability and pricing and everything comes in. But we also need attitudinal and education and awareness changes as well. And it's only when we look at everything in together pulling in the same direction that we can actually shift the dial on this one. And we'll start to hopefully see a change. Listen, uh, Sheena, thank you for that. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, have, a lo- have a lovely day and we'll chat again. Thanks a million. Thank you uh, very much. Bye-bye. Uh, Sheena Horgan there, who is CEO of Drinkaware. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Jim, one of our listeners who is proving he's a nice, kind, honest man, contacted us this morning to say he was in Bantrytown last Saturday and he found an envelope on the street. Now, last Saturday was a pretty wet and a miserable day. So the envelope, which contained a birthday card, it got a bit wet, a bit bedraggled looking. But when Jim picked it up, he discovered there was money inside in the card. Now, the birthday card was for somebody called Charlie. Jim has taken the birthday card and the money. He has it for safekeeping, but he'd like to give it back to whoever it was was trying to give the birthday card to Charlie. Now, obviously, we've got all of Jim's details and Jim will be looking for a description of the birthday card and, you know, what was written on the card for proof that it was the person who actually lost it. So were you attempting to give somebody called Charlie a birthday card and you pop some money into it and you're scratching your head trying to think, where did I lose that card? Well, Jim is looking after it for you. So give us a call at John Paul taking the calls at 1850-333-103 if it's yours but more importantly we want to give it back to you so that you can give it to Charlie who obviously was celebrating a birthday maybe last weekend or at some time during the week call us on that uh, please and then Heidi was on to us and she sent us on a piece from breakingnews.ie and says maybe this could be on the cards and it is a piece from 
the Professor Jerry Killeen. Now, Professor Jerry Killeen is a professor at, at UCC. He's also co-founder of the Independent Scientific Advisory Group and he is somebody who does advocate for a zero COVID approach. And he is suggesting that we may need a ban on inter-county travel and he feels that may be needed in order to contain a fourth surge of uh, COVID-19 and he's making the point that with international travel set to reopen for people who are fully vaccinated or who've recovered from the virus from next Monday he is saying now is the time to allow only fully vaccinated people to travel and he said react locally at a minimum before we'll find ourselves in trouble nationally and he said that he hopes that we would be able to keep some key elements of outdoor summer. He's not saying lock us all down. He said, you know, children being out and about playing and being able to go to GAA clubs locally. He doesn't have an issue with that. But he says, do we need to look at inter-county travel in that should we be banning inter-county travel at least around areas where we know there are large outbreaks of COVID-19. And that got me thinking because when I was reading the piece on in, a ban on inter-county travel as suggested by Professor Colleen, I was thinking straight away that that would put the kibosh on so many people's plans for staycations because lots of people have already booked staycations for either here in July or into August and people are planning on travelling around the country. Uh, now there are some people we know that will be doing international travel but I think the majority of people and particularly those with children are deciding no, we'll have a holiday here in Ireland and many are looking to go outside of their own county to go to other counties. So if the government did decide to follow the advice of Professor Jerry Killeen, it would cause, I think, consternation because obviously staycations would have to be cancelled and then tourist areas uh, would be hugely affected as well. But I, w- well, when I was reading the piece and I think his piece about where there's large outbreaks in an area and that got me thinking if you knew for example you had a holiday booked and before you were due to go you discovered that there's high COVID in the area now all I can't say all went in good but all went in good I suppose if you're fully vaccinated but if you're travelling with children who are not vaccinated and we know that there's an increase in numbers in young people picking up COVID-19 would 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 you cancel a holiday if you know I mean Donegal is the obvious one at the moment beautiful Donegal and there will be a lot of people heading to Donegal and probably in Donegal already on their holidays but Donegal is one of the black spots when it comes to uh, COVID-19 and yesterday I mentioned wasn't it Bunkrana has the highest area of COVID-19 anywhere in the country and so I'm I'm putting that out today would you cancel a, a, an Irish holiday a staycation if you found out that the week before you were due to go that there's a lot of COVID in the area or would you just go and say, look, we'll look after ourselves and we'll be very, very uh, careful. But I'm assuming that a lot of people would not be in favour of the government introducing an, an inter-county ban like we had before. We all, like we've had various restrictions in place where we couldn't go beyond two kilometres, where we couldn't go beyond five kilometres. Then we were allowed to travel just within our county and we were kind of smugly here in Cork saying, well, we're not doing too bad on that because we've got such a big county and such a beautiful county and we had so many places uh, to visit. It was a bit unfair on smaller counties around the country who were desperate to get out and uh, to travel. But I don't know if anyone would like the idea of us going back to that, that you couldn't leave your county. Now, I know that Tornister has said it's not possible yet to rule out, rule out bringing in further 
restrictions, particularly as we were seeing a rise in cases due to the uh, Delta variant. I mean, Leo Varadkar is among others who, who are coming out saying, uh, in, including our uh, head of Neffet, um uh, the Chief Medical Officer Tony Hulan uh, coming out and saying that if you're not fully vaccinated that they now are the new vulnerable. We'd always spoken about the vulnerable people being the older people before we had vaccinations or people with underlying health condition. Now we've got the new vulnerable and they are the people who are either not vaccinated or have only received one jab, the ones who are not fully vaccinated. And Leo Varadkar yesterday said that those people should be living the coming weeks like we did back in March of 2020. And if you go back to March of 2020, we had a two kilometre travel limit in uh, place. He was speaking in the Dáil yesterday and he said those who are partially vaccinated or unvaccinated are at greater risk than ever before in this pandemic because the virus is so transmissible. And that's the way it's going to be over the next few weeks. So that was coming from uh, Leo Varadkar yesterday. But as I say, there's no mention of a ban on intercounty uh, travel. But this is something that has been put forward by Professor Jerry Killeen from UCC. And then another listener was on to say, Patricia, they were looking on Twitter last night about protesters who were gathering in Dublin and another group who gathered outside the Taoiseach's office in Cork and they were protesting against restrictions. I know there was one in Dublin planned for Oris on Uchtaron. They were protesting the fact that the President Michael de Higgins signed into law the new rules around indoor dining and there were a group of people who are really not happy with that and they were protesting there and then there was another group, um, the sister is right at the Taoiseach's office and they're protesting against restrictions. The sister is kind of annoyed about it, said if those people were in any other country, Patricia, they do as they were told. Uh, people just, we need to just get on with the restrictions. Whatever we're told to do, we need to get on with them. They're in place and the reason that they're in place is so that we can get the hell out of this. And if you have people gathering like that, we're never going to get out of it. And certainly some of the ones that I saw online yesterday appeared to be people who are anti-vax. They're against the vaccination as well. And that would worry me when you would get a large group of people who are not vaccinated gathering together because if they're anti-vaxxers, they're also against and masks, they're against the two metre social distancing and certainly any of the protesters that I saw on Twitter yesterday evening, they all seem to be on top of each other. There seemed to be a lot of shouting and roaring going on as well, which we know is the one thing if you've got somebody in the middle of a group who's shouting and screaming and if that person happens to have COVID-19 and unaware that they have it they're certainly going to be spreading it to everybody around them so that would be a huge huge concern of mine I mean we live in a democracy people have a right to protest but it would worry me when I would see large groups of unvaccinated people protesting like that uh, for sure Uh, Thanks for your text to 0862 103 103 and Ed said Patricia can you let people know if they've received their COVID vaccination certificate in the post. There's been an update to the COVID-19 tracker app. It's now available. You can scan the QR code to put your COVID-19 certificate onto your phone uh, says Ed and Ed is right. The new feature, this is the COVID-19 tracker app that a lot of people have already downloaded. A new feature has been released that allows people to do exactly what Ed says. You'll be able to carry your EU digital COVID certificate securely on your smartphone. 
this the the app the COVID tracker app was originally developed last year and of course it was allowed to allow people to be alerted if they came in close contact with a confirmed COVID case but it will now allow a person to show their vaccination our immunity status and of course that's going to be relevant for indoor dining and if you're heading to the airport next Monday you'll be able to use it for foreign travel. The feature can be uh, accessed by downloading the updated version of the tracker app and then you follow the instructions in the app you scan your QR code on your certificate and of course we know certificates are currently being uh, sent out I'm assuming at this stage everyone except for the ones that bounce back the majority of people who are due to get it by email have, have received it by email and every day there are tens of thousands being delivered by the postmen and women in this country and of course it's the revenue commissioners that are involved in getting them out by uh, post but the HSE spokesperson said the app was designed to protect your privacy and you can choose the features that you want to use the cert is only stored on your phone it's uh, not stored within the app so it means you can delete it at any time but it does make it easy for you to carry your certificate with you and if you haven't if you didn't already download the app many people did last year but it's still available for download at the Apple App Store or on the Google Play Store if you would prefer to put your COVID certificate on to your phone. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. HGV Mechanic is wanted, that's for Watergrass Hill, while the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, they're looking for a home care worker. It's to work in the Fomoy area. A helper is wanted for general outdoor work. It's to help with fitting and setting out light to medium steel projects. Now, you do need to have your own transport and it's in the Canturk Butterfant areas. And Refrigeration Apprentice wanted for Ria Refrigeration. They're based in Mitchellstown. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. cmig.ie. Recent survey has shown that almost 20% of parents of mostly primary school children have sought some form of mental health support for their child since the start of the pandemic, with 55% of parents saying they have concerns about the long-term impact of the pandemic on their children's mental health. The survey was in conjunction with the National Parents Council and their CEO, Anya Lynch, uh, joins me. Good morning to Anya. Good morning. Uh, and, and you're very welcome to the programme. I mean, what, what, what's very worrying about these um, results is the fact that you're considering how young the children are. I mean, we're talking about five to 12-year-olds. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. And I suppose some of these um, concerns we know we would have had um, because of COVID, but I think some of them reflect some of the differences parents and, and children are experiencing pre-COVID as well and that have, may have been exacerbated by COVID. So, so we know that um, even before COVID, we had real difficulty with, with parents and children, young children accessing um, mental health support for the under-12s in Ireland. And I think that, you know, these kind of figures are really showing that that, that has been exacerbated by COVID as well. Where do the parents go to access mental health supports for their children? Well, I mean, I think the first place parents always should go is to their GP um, because obviously the, the GP has uh, knows the family and also um, often would know the child. 
but then it's where the GP can refer the child on to. And I suppose that's where we're, we're having the difficulties is that the, the, the waiting lists for young children are, are just huge and the services just don't exist. I mean, there's problems for, for adolescents in terms of mental health services as well, but for the under 12, it really is a, a, a crisis point in, in Ireland for under 12 in terms of accessing support. And we know that if we can get early interventions with some of the, with some of the issues that young children are experiencing, they might, might never, you know, need more, more um, significant intervention. So it's really important that those early interventions are there. And we see through this survey that a lot of parents are going to the GP, but a lot are also looking up for supports online as well, which, which is good that those, those supports are out there. And, and for some parents, that, that's enough in terms of the guidance that they can get to support their children. Um, but for other parents, it, it's not enough. And, and that's all that they really have available to them. And when parents spoke about the concerns for, for their children, I mean, what were they? What were the main areas? I'm, I'm was like, I'm assuming anxiety was probably very high, was it? Anxiety was was the top um, issue, absolutely. And I think you know, sometimes being anxious isn't necessarily an, an abnormal thing. We've all been anxious over this last year, so I think anxiety is quite natural um, with COVID or not with COVID. We all get anxious at, at times. But I suppose for, for children, um, it's for when that anxiety starts to impact the way they're living in, a, in an adverse way. So I think, you know, we've got, we've got parents telling us, particularly around social anxiety, children are really struggling with friendships and how to re-engage with friends and, um, you know, that, that kind of anxiety. Anxiety around um, bacteria and catching things and infections and being close to people. So children have been hearing all of the messages that we as adults have struggled with over the last year. But, but as adults, we often are able to manage the different messaging better than children who, who really, you know, look to the adults for, for direction on these things. And I suppose this has come at a time where the whole world has been anxious. Mm. So, so children fit within that. And, and again, then for children, a lot of the, the, the goalposts have kept changing and, and that's not useful again to us as adults, but even more so for children when, you know, one week we're hearing that things are opening up and they're going back to school and then very shortly before they're going back, they're not going back. And it's very hard then in terms of trusting relationships of, you know, how how do they believe what they're being told when things are constantly shifting and changing. Yeah, and uh, trust issues in particular were, was, was highlighted by so mm-hmm. many of the parents, wasn't it? I mean, that's, that's something you work on with your child and, and children always touch, trust their parents, always trust their teachers. But as you say, if the messages keep changing. Mm. And I think that's, I think the important thing for parents is to make sure that they, they give time to sit and listen to their children. So, so to, to hear where the concerns are going. Sometimes as adults, we try and sort of guess what children are worried about and guess what children are thinking and I think just given that space and exploring with the child so when they're saying that they're worried about this ask more questions than you do tell them why they shouldn't be worried <laughs> do you know what yeah, I mean so, yeah. so I'm trying to trying to tease out a little bit more information from children because even we know that when we tell our story when we're we're upset it makes us feel just better by telling our story sometimes we don't need anything else but also parents are going to be a much better place to support their child if they hear the real concerns that the child has. So it's about being open to listening to, to the issues that the children are bringing up. And you can only do that if you give them the space and opportunity to do that. And don't, and then, d- and don't dismiss their concerns. Absolutely. It's, it's about trying to, I suppose, reassure them at the, at the place that they're at with their concerns. So sometimes, you know, it's quite natural when a parent is really concerned about their child and they're thinking the worst. 
and then they hear their child say what it is and they think, oh, thank God for that. It's not nearly as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. But for the child, it is. Yeah. But for, for the child, what the child has experienced is real to them. So even in an adult world, it may not seem like a significance. For a child, it, it, it's hugely significant. So it is about not dismissing it, about talking through the concerns with them, about reassuring them where you can. And I suppose being as honest as you can with them at an age-appropriate level. So that means talking about things that you feel your child can digest and understand at their age level. Yeah, because I know certainly in the very early days of the pandemic, we would have heard from some parents, particularly parents of some younger children, saying that they used to have to just turn off the news uh, because Mm. if their son or daughter was in the room because the children were just glued to the news and Mm. trying to absorb as much of this information as possible. And of course, they weren't picking up all of the correct information, but they were getting quite panicky about it. So do we try to protect our children as well? Yeah, and I think this is a message for, for beyond COVID as well. I mean, I think the, the kind of 24-hour-7 news cycles that we have now, I mean, you know, years ago we would have got news once or twice a day. Um, now it's it permanently you're getting the news, whether it's on the phone, whether it's on the TV, whether it's, you know, on, on the computer. We're constantly being bombarded with news and news alerts. And, and adults are constantly talking about it. So even if they're not listening to the news, they might be overhearing adult conversations. And children do need to be protected from that. Um, I, I know the news has caused a lot of anxiety in, in adults too. And I think, you know, we've all tried to, to protect ourselves a little bit from the bombardment of news. But we as a, as a, as a kind of ex- having more, had ex- more experience of life can manage some of those messages better than children. When children ho- hear those messages that can be very dramatic messages and very fatalistic messages. But we know from before COVID that this was an issue for children, the, the access to the news. You know, whether it was about a war somewhere or whether it was about um, kind of hurricanes and volcanoes, we know from things that we've heard from children that they see those as, as immediate dangers. They're not able to process them as to being something that, that, is, that is not happening for them in their lives. Yeah, They're hearing yeah. the level of anxiety that, that, that gets transmitted through news programs and they internalize that and feel that this is something that might be a threat in their lives as well. So we do need to protect children from the, the constant uh, barrage of news. I know years ago, and I, I think still um, on RT2 now, they have news for children. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's really important that, um, that, that that is managed in a way. And, and they spend a lot of time, I suppose, making sure that they're, they're, they're transmitting the news in a way that children can take on and understand what's going on in the world around them, which is important but in a way that, that, that won't panic and, and frighten them as well. Yeah, I was watching TV a couple of weekends ago and it was actually a Sunday morning and I was just flicking around and I have a tendency to flick around the news channels and it was on uh, CNN and they had this gorgeous, it was news for children being presented by children and they were looking at the signs behind uh, COVID and it was just yeah. presented in such a sweet, caring, comforting way uh. and it was presented by children for children. So there there are things out there that you, you can access. And going back to the survey, Anya, I take it you, you take great comfort from, from the fact that so many parents are reaching out to get the help that their children need. Absolutely, and um, you also note from, from, from the information we've put out that we're holding a webinar on the 27th of July. So Walk In My Shoes are hosting the webinar, but, but I'll be speaking at it, and so will the CEO of, um, of St. Patrick's, and we've another, another speaker as well. And that's a free webinar for parents on the 27th of July. So if there are parents who are, who are concerned and want to 
I suppose, get a bit more information and some reassurance because what we find is that when parents do reach out and contact us is quite often they're doing all the right things anyway. They're just not confident that that's what's happening. So if, if, you, if there are parents out there who'd like to come onto that webinar, then um, if they go on to walkinmyshoes.ie website, they'll see all the details for, for um uh, registering for that webinar. Okay, and it is it is a free uh, webinar on July twenty seventh. Which is that a what what day is July twenty seventh? Oh, you're, you're testing me now. Is it a Saturday? Is it a week? No, it's not. No, it's, not. it's, no, it's a week. So it's during the week. Yeah, okay, it's, it's July twenty seventh. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. and uh, walk uh, in my shoes. Dot ie. Listen. Good luck with that webinar, uh, Anya, and thank you very much for uh, joining us on the program. Good morning to you. Uh, morning. That is uh, Anya Lynch, who is the uh, CEO of the National Parents Council Primary Section. Uh, John Paul, taking your calls at eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. You can text or WhatsApp oh eight six two. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. C103's smart speaker giveaway is happening here. Play C103. We've got loads of cool new smart speakers to give away every day. Join Ken Tobin for Cork's More Music Breakfast and stay with us all day long for your chance to win. Listen for the cue to text or WhatsApp. If we call you back, repeat the phrase Play C103 to win a smart speaker. C103's smart speaker giveaway with Dundeal for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Stay listening to win. And remember to say... Play C103. It's summer in full swing and a scorcher of a weekend promised this weekend. Many people will be sparking up the barbecue to socialise with both family and friends. So to offer advice on how to keep everybody feeling okay following the barbecue, I'm joined from Safe Food by their Director of Communications and that's Dr Aileen McLoyne. Good morning to you Aileen. Good morning, Patricia. I'm, How are you? I'm, ver- I'm very well, thank you. And, you. and you're welcome to the programme. Your main advice and the main advice coming from Safe Food is around the temperature that meat should be cooked to. So talk to us about that. What is the correct temperature and how do we know that the burger or whatever you're cooking has reached that temperature? That's right. Um, we traditionally had asked people to do three checks that the juices run clear that the food is piping hot and that there's no pink meat. And you can still do that, of course. um, But when we did our survey over over a thousand people, only 2% do all three checks. So that's why we're now encouraging people to use a meat thermometer. The temperature to look for there is 75 degrees. So a meat thermometer has a probe, a pointy end, if you like, and that just goes into the thickest part of the meat that's the centre of the burger, the centre of the sausage, um, and then you check that it reaches 75 degrees and then you can be sure that you and everybody who is attending your barbecue are going to be safe and well. And are the re- is the real danger that with a barbecue is that you burn the outside uh, and you think, oh, that's cooked, and then when you cut into it, the middle can be raw? Yes, I think we've all had that experience. Um, you know, when you're out in the garden on the barbecue, which you only use a few times a year probably, you don't have that same security of knowing your kitchen and knowing your oven and everything that you would normally know as a home cook. 
So it can be very difficult to control the temperature. Um, and as you say, we all have that experience of that, you know, crispy burnt outside and, you know, the pink meat in the middle. And just, and of course, if you're a guest, you have the added uh, difficulty of, you know, saying, oh God, can you put the back on? No, you don't, you, don't want to, you don't want to insult anybody uh, yes. either. And meat, meat thermometers, where do you buy them and are they expensive? Um, well, one of the things, that the perceptions that stopped people from buying one was that they are expensive, but of course they're not. You can get them for as little as eight euros. You could find them in your supermarket, in home retail, in a hardware store and in some of the department stores. So they're pretty widely available at this stage. So, um, yeah, it, it won't be difficult to find one and it won't be expensive to buy one. And you, it's not just on a barbecue, because I certainly know at Christmas you'll hear people say, with the cooking of the turkey, it's handy to have a meat thermometer, isn't it? Uh, Absolutely. That is the other particular time of the year when people will use one. So, you know, if you have a whole chicken or a whole turkey, it's you, you insert the probe in between the leg and the breast. That's the thickest part of the meat. And that's where you take the temperature. Um, poultry and pork need to be cooked all the way through. I'm sure there are people listening who, who are thinking, oh, well, what about steak? I like it rare. And um, for whole cuts of um steak or lamb you can you know, cook that to preference because the bacteria is on the outside but once you start to mince or skewer meat then the bacteria moves throughout the meat so it's on the inside as well and that's why you have to cook certain meats all the way through and some can be eaten rare can people end up feeling very unwell from eating uncooked meats they can, you know, we, we've all probably experienced that, um, you know, weekend very close to the bathroom of vomiting and diarrhoea and so on. So that's the kind of thing that you're trying to avoid. Yeah, and what often happen, Aileen, is people will say, oh, I picked up a stomach bug and everyone in the family got it. And nobody realises it could have actually been something that you all ate. That's it, exactly. And it is quite hard to pinpoint. People don't always report these um, things or go to their GP about them. So, um, you know, these things often go unrecorded. But we do know that the incidence of food poisoning increases in the summertime. And that's because the temperatures are higher. It's more easy for bacteria to thrive and to increase in the food very quickly. I I have to say when I'm... it's particularly a barbecue, I have a huge thing about a fear around undercooked chicken. And mm-hmm. and I don't know why of all of the meats, but it's the chicken in particular. I've got this phobia that I'm going to serve undercooked chicken. So I slightly cheat in that I cook off the chicken first in the oven and then I put it onto the barbecue to kind of to brown it off. I know that's kind of cheating, but... Does I- yeah, no, I know a lot of people who do that. Uh, you know, chicken is one of those meats that, um, you know, people do understand that there's a high level of contamination. It absolutely has to be cooked through. So if what, you, you know, if your way to reassure yourself is to cook it or even poach it, some people poach it and then just finish it off on the barbecue. Yeah. That's fine too. I suppose the main thing is that it is cooked all the way through. You know, everybody knows how to cut, cut into chicken, see that the juices are running clear, that it's not pink, that it's piping hot, or use your meat thermometer. That 75 degrees will give you all the reassurance that you need that it is cooked through. Yeah, somebody says pink meat. What about people who like their steaks rare? But you've answered that. It's, it's the minced, yeah. it's the minced beef. In the burgers is what what you told Okay, then other tips for a safe barbecue. Obviously, going along with the meats, uh, people like to, you know, present nice salads and coleslaws and potato salad and and all of that. Now, we are going to, by all accounts, have a scorcher of a weekend. Be careful about putting that out too soon, out on the picnic tables. That's it, exactly. Um, In general, don't have food out 
you know, that needs to be kept cold out of the fridge for more than two hours. Um, and, you know, in these really hot temperatures, keep everything in the fridge until the very last minute. Um, keep it covered, keep it in the fridge, and then bring it out as you are going to serve the food. And then bring it back into the kitchen and put it back into the fridge as soon as you can after the meal. Now, we tend to, you know, we tend to over-cater. This is a very Irish thing, you know, to make sure everybody has enough. Um <laughs> And so you, there will probably be leftover meats as well. Don't leave those out um, in the heat. Again, get them, once ever you're sure that everybody's had um, everything they're going to eat, get it back into the kitchen. Allow it to cool down before you put it in the fridge, but it has to get back into the fridge within two hours. Nobody wants to waste food. Um, so, you know, you can reuse those leftovers if they have been um, treated correctly, if you like, that they haven't been left out for hours in the sun. Is that a real Irish thing that we're all guilty of, over-catering? And what is it within our psyche that we always seem to do it? I, I'm not sure, but, you know, it's very much part of the culture that you would uh, be absolutely sure that you had more than you need as opposed to less than you need. Um, I'm sure that doesn't help us much on the, you know, body weight management yeah, side of things. Yeah. Um, but it do, does certainly seem to be part of our culture. I, I know people, so, some people say this comes back to famine times, you know, that there's a, a psyche there, a psychology of, um, you know, the abundance of food being a particularly important aspect of our culture. Um, I'm no expert on that, but yeah. I do. I yeah. do and we're, all guilty, we're all guilty of it. We absolutely are all uh, guilty of it. Now, when it comes to barbecue, I love to, I'm a vegetarian, so the, the kind of the, the veg side of it is important to me and I love to marinate all of, mm-hmm. the, all of the veg but we like to marinate the meats as well. You've got to be careful around that. Yeah, it's just to make sure that, you know, that the whatever marinade you're using, once it has touched the raw meat, that's it. It has to, you know, it has to go down the sink or, or into the bin. You know, you cannot use it to, it can't touch any food that's not going to be cooked through. So it's just to make sure that that is then disposed of once it's touched the raw meat. Um, that's less important, obviously, for the veg because it doesn't have the same level of, of contamination. And I think you've brought up a really lovely point there that, you know, the barbecue isn't all about the meat. There are lovely ways to incorporate um, fantastic vegetables into the meals. And, and again, from a health perspective, you know, that's a, a really good way of doing it as opposed to loading everybody up with too much meat. You know, your sweet corn and all of your, your vegetarian kebabs and so on. And even a bit of halloumi or, or cheese oh, done on the yeah. grill. Gorgeous. You're making me yeah. hungry now, Aileen. Hold off, I'm a couple of hours away from lunch. And then for people who are planning the barbecue, they may have items in the freezer that they're thinking about using tomorrow or on Sunday. You need to be thinking about getting them out. Yeah, so the best way to defrost is um, in a covered bowl at the bottom of the fridge. You don't want any meat or anything to drip on other foods. Um, it, you, you know, it depends on the type of the meat, but it can take it could take you the full twenty four hours to defrost some of those meats. So just give yourself plenty of time to defrost them thoroughly. If they're not defrosted, you know you will get them cooked on the outside and not on the inside. That's a, you know it adds to that danger. So yeah, defrost thoroughly at the bottom of the fridge um, and then you should be fine. Okay, and then obviously keeping the raw away from the cooked exactly, with yeah. your chopping utensils and all of that. Okay, so are you a barbecue fan yourself, Aileen? Absolutely love a barbecue, <laughs> yes. And and uh, very much looking forward to this weekend of sun so that we can all get out and enjoy our gardens. Um, you know, it's lovely to be outdoors, I suppose, even at the moment. It's an especially 
safer way of interacting yeah. with our friends and family. Just it's, keep it outside. And don't forget the sunscreen, folks, because it is going to be it's going to be hot. Listen, Aileen, uh, enjoyed our chat. Thank you for that. Have a lovely weekend, and thanks for joining us. Take care, Mike. Uh, good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is Dr. Aileen McGloin from Safe Food. Words of advice. If you are deciding to have a barbecue this weekend, please enjoy it because that's what it's all about. 1850-333-103. Just some of your texts uh, coming in, not to do with barbecues, but to do with COVID certificates. Hi, Patricia. I received my digital COVID certificate yesterday. Uh, you were talking about putting it onto the COVID traffic. tracker app can I just take a photograph of it and store it on my phone yes you can just make sure it's a really good clear photograph of it but I've heard of a number of people who've done that particularly people who've received it by the post uh, so as to have it on on their phone but yeah you can certainly do that but then Mary in Cork uh, in the city has contacted us to say apologies if you've already covered this today but could you give a call out has have all of your listeners received their COVID digital certificate, the ones who were vaccinated in a vaccination centre? I was vaccinated at a central vaccination centre, but I'm still waiting on my cert. Do you know if it should have come through by now? Uh, Thanking you. That's from Mary in Cork. I certainly know everyone that I know that was vaccinated, both family and friends that was vaccinated at a vaccination centre, certainly have all received it by email. That's not to say that everybody has. I do know that they had hoped to have them all issued by email by yesterday. But there was reports of nearly a million emails were sent out. And I saw a report that about seven and a half thousand of the emails had bounced back for whatever reason, they had an incorrect email address. So certainly 7,500 people who were expecting a search by email won't have received it. I'm not saying that that's, you're going to be one of those, Mary. What we have been telling people, and I'm sure you've done this, but is to check your junk email that a number of the certs went into people's spam folder. Uh, so if you just check your spam folder just to make sure. And by the if you haven't received it by Monday, the helpline will be open for people to apply for a digital COVID certificate, particularly people who've recovered from uh, COVID. At the moment, I know that helpline is open, but they're asking people to only ring them. It's for emergencies. It's for people who are travelling uh, somewhere. So, But they're asking everybody else to wait until Monday. So if you haven't received it by Monday, Mary, that's what I would be suggesting that you would do. Because certainly all of the emails, as far as I know, the last I saw online, all of the emails were uh, gone out except for that 7,500 that had bounced back and you could be unlucky and one of yours uh, could be there. The postal ones are still arriving. We're still getting calls and texts in from people saying that they're just receiving them by post. They're still posting them out. But if you got it from a vaccination centre, then yes, you would be expecting it to arrive by email. But having said that, we, we were talking about this earlier on in the week and saying anyone who went to their GP practice that they would be receiving it by post. And I literally had it out of my mouth and somebody said, Uh, I got my vaccine at my GP practice and I've just received my COVID digital certificate by email so it it doesn't go like that uh, for for everyone for sure Uh, but certainly hold off if you haven't got it by 
Monday. Keep checking your emails and as I say, check your spam folder as well to make sure that it hasn't gone into another folder uh, instead. And then you can give that the special COVID helpline number for the digital certificates. You can give them a call on Monday. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed on the COVID digital certificate and Mary in Cork City has been back on to us uh, to, to say thanks for the information that we gave her and she has checked her spam folder and unfortunately her COVID certificate is not in the spam folder so she'll she'll wait until next week and if it hasn't arrived she'll ring them then but hold on a tick Mary because what I was saying if you got your vaccine from a vaccine centre then you would be getting your certificate by email lo and behold straight away in a text saying hi I got my vaccine at a vaccine centre and yes I was expecting to receive an email checking my email folders lo and behold my search arrived in the post (laughs) so Mary in Cork City I suggest you keep an eye out for the postman as well over the next um, today or you know if you've posted the weekend and certainly early into next uh, week because somebody else has been on to say uh, Teresa was on to say my husband received his COVID certificate via e- email and Teresa says we're in the same house and I'm still waiting on mine and then I was reading while the news was on at 12 that all of the COVID certificates issued by email were expected to be out by they were all issued by yesterday so if you haven't received it by email it means you're either going to get it by post or else it's one of those ones that has bounced uh, back and they clearly have stated that people who got vaccinated by at your GP, your pharmacy or your hospital then you get your cert by post it's only the people who are fully vaccinated at the HSE vaccination centres who would be receiving it by uh, email and a million had gone out by email and then a million are due to go out uh, by post for the GP, the pharmacy, the hospital and now people who got it at a vaccination centre and it's expected that all delivery because revenue commissioners are very efficient at getting those out in the post they should be completed delivery of those they're saying should be by Tuesday of next week so I think it's going to be from probably Wednesday of next week if people haven't received them then there's an issue that you're going to have to get on to the call centre because I'm fearful of getting people to rush in and flood the call centres with calls because the call centre that's been set up for the COVID digital certificate is has specifically now it's been set up to deal with queries but it's mainly been set up so that people who've recovered from COVID can receive their certificate so there's going it's going to be extremely busy I know it's up and running at the moment for emergencies but it is going to be very busy next week so ideally if you're if you're if your search arrives you won't need to be contacting them so I imagine it's going to be probably around Wednesday if people haven't received it either by post or by email that people then can start ringing that number uh, to find out what has happened but there's uh, exactly what they say shouldn't happen has happened to people who got it at a vaccination centre are getting certs by post and people who got a vaccine vaccine at a GP practice are receiving it by email. Now I'm not saying that there's many of them but it certainly is it is an anomaly that is happening. Okay let me what am I looking for? Oh I am looking for people to enter now please. Okay we'll give 10 minutes on this because I need to have a quick chat with the winner on air. Would you like to win for yourself a C103 smart speaker? If so get texting get get whatsapping now please to 086 to 103103 that's 0862103103 text us your name and your address please you need to then remember what the winning phrase is one John Paul will select one of our listeners that listener will join me on air 
I'll ask them the winning phrase and the winning phrase is play C103 because if you're lucky enough to win one of our smart speakers we will be asking you when you jump out of bed in the morning to shout play C103 at your smart speaker and then you'll have the radio on with you for the day. The C103 smart speaker giveaway with done deal for all of Ireland's trusted car dealership. Get texting and WhatsApping uh, now. And can I just to somebody who sent in a WhatsApp earlier Mike uh, from Abbey Field, just to say uh, to Mike to be very careful where you go for information, particularly pertaining to COVID nineteen, because Mike uh, says uh, in, in Abbey Field says we have to learn to live with COVID at the moment, and he says in his text forty seven percent of the new COVID cases in England are in uh, vaccinated people. We can't be locking people down forever. And I was thinking, where is he getting the figure of 47%? So I did a quick check just now. I went to, this was literally just while the news uh, was on. Gov.ie in England is probably the better place uh, to go to find out. But I just did a quick Google search on the numbers who are picking up COVID-19 in the UK because they have so many people vaccinated. And yes, they have a large number of cases in the UK, but they're certainly not amongst uh, vaccinated uh, people. And uh, and the BBC have ran, ran a report on this to say that people, including those that are pushing the anti-vaccine agenda online, have been misinterpreting figures, uh, particularly showing they're trying to claim that a large proportion of people who are dying from the Delta variant have been vaccinated. And actually one of the sites pushing it are one of those conspiracy sites. And they're claiming, I mean, one of them was even claiming that more vaccinated people were dying than unvaccinated people. So you just have to be very careful when you come across information, particularly one that's very alarming. I'd always take that with a bit, I wouldn't quite take it with a pinch of salt, but I'd always look in to see, well, let's see if I can verify where that information is coming from, because we know that the vaccinations are working and that less and less people who have been vaccinated are dying from COVID-19. There is no vaccine that's perfect. We know that. We know people will still get COVID-19 even with the vaccine. But what we're aiming to do through the vaccine is to stop you getting very unwell, to stop us uh, getting so unwell that we end up in hospital and ultimately to stop us um, dying. And they already estimate in England alone that the vaccines have saved 27,000 lives. So lives are saved because of vaccines. So just, just to give that a mentioned, I don't want to just ignore Mike in Abbeyfield's WhatsApp, but just be just be very careful about where you get your information from and cross-check it. That's what I would say to everyone. Continue to uh, cross-check your information. Uh, okay, I want to... Where will we go next? Okay, let me do this. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative. The perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork. The raffle to fundraise for Marymount Hospital and Hospice in memory of Noreen Kelleher is being held today and actually today is Noreen's second anniversary. Now tickets are still available at €10 each or books of five for €50 and they're available online at idonate.ie forward slash raffle forward slash Noreen Kelleher. Kildare Drive in Bingo that goes ahead tonight 8 o'clock and it's in the Kildare Creamery Yard while Knocknagree Community Development Group they have a drive in bingo happening next Sunday in the village. They'll have a jackpot of €400 
and the Irasta arrive by 12.30 and it'll be a 1pm start and Tim League so many of these driving bingos theirs is also on Sunday 3 o'clock in the sports field with no booking necessary and Araglen Carnival are running a charity tractor car and motorbike fundraiser next Sunday in aid of the Irish Community Air Ambulance. The people of Aragon are very grateful to this amazing service as it has had to land in the locality three times in the last couple of months and transport local patients to hospital. So your support would be much appreciated. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie by the way, for people who are entering our C103 smart speaker giveaway, you only need to enter once. I can see on some of the WhatsApps that people are just uh, constantly sending on their same name and address because it only comes in once and it just gets entered once into the competition. So we don't want you wasting your time uh, pressing your phone all of the time. So just enter once if you're entering either by text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Now this week's Cork versus COVID is looking at the rise in food food trucks in Ireland. Outdoor dining and takeaway has been the only option for the last few months. Many people took the plunge and started up their own business within the catering industry. Our reporter, Mairead Tuig, visited some of the food trucks in Cork for this week's Cork versus Covid. Jay Woodard, Dave Sweeney and Frank Brennan are three best friends and together they own the Hook Truck and Grilly Mac Grill Grill. It was kind of a lockdown experiment, wasn't it? We tried out... Yeah, um, so like, we, it's the three of us owners, Frank Brennan, myself and Jay, and uh, we're three good buddies. And we've kind of looked at a few things down the last couple of years of uh, a bit of sideline, a bit of fun, uh, another, start another business. Uh, and then the food truck thing kind of exploded in Ireland over the last 12 yeah. months. And um, we caught the trend. We kind of timed this where we caught the last of the lockdown in February where we bought the, um, the big, truck, the big yeah. pink horse box you see there, <laughs> the donut truck. Uh, and we were settled here in the cricket club in the Mardike and then we bought our second truck about a month ago. Yeah. Uh, so it's very exciting. It's, uh, we all have other jobs and families and things like that. They serve their treats at Cork County Cricket Club on Mardike Walk. Jay is no stranger to donuts, having previously operated huckleberries. Dave was in the meeting, he said, look, let's bring back hucks. And we thought, cool, let's look at the idea of bringing back hucks. And the next day we went looking at food trucks and there was an actual donut food truck for sale put up an hour before I went looking. When we bought the Grilly McGrill Grill machine, it was actually International Grill Cheese Day that I didn't know about when we bought it. So The thing about the second truck, it was way easier because that was actually a food truck. Whereas the horse box is made for a horse. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to, like, there was a lot of work went into it and get it on the road. Yeah. Since February, they've supplied seven jobs out of their venture. Frank has this message for anyone thinking of setting up their own food truck. Absolutely, go for it. Do you know what? Even just for a bit of crack, do you know what I mean? Like, we, we don't take this too serious. Um, it's a bit of fun. You know, the staff here are brilliant. We have to give them a big shout out. Kira, Sarah, and Mark—they've been phenomenal. And, we, and, and Zoe of late—they've been incredible. And it's just—it's just great fun. Harley Street in the city centre has been transformed and is now lined with food trucks and stalls. Jack Malone is project manager of Harley Street at the Metropole Hotel. We saw the opportunity to do something a little bit more with it coming into the summer of uh, this year. Especially with lockdowns and restrictions, uh, there's obviously a huge push on outdoor dining. So we decided to transform Harley Street into a street food market that features food trucks from ourselves, which are Bev's and Brews doing coffees and cocktails, Taco Rebel doing tacos, of course, 
And then also we have a few different vendors from McCurtain Street and Victorian Quarter who've come on to feature with us as well and do a bit of a partnership with us. One of their quirky products is Nitro Coffee. Nitro Coffee is coffee that has been infused with nitrogen. So if you think about a pint of Guinness, that's infused with nitrogen and what the nitrogen does is give it that creaminess, it gives it that creamy head and also when you see the pint setting and you have the layers falling down, that's all from the nitrogen. So again, the coffee gets a really kind of creamy texture, kind of puts a lovely creamy flavour into it as well. This is all with no dairy, no sugar, no additives, so it's literally just pure cold brew coffee. Sandra Murphy is Group Brand and Communications Manager at Trigon Hotels. She says outdoor dining is here to stay. And the great thing about uh, food trucks and coffee stands and food markets like Harley Street is that you don't need a reservation. You know, you can be out taking a stroll through the city streets um, and stop by for a coffee or a cocktail or a bite to eat with friends and do so with plenty of space. So I think that these are definitely something that will be with us from a long term perspective. Um, as a company, I suppose we have uh, further plans down the road uh, with these as well. You can keep an eye on social media to see what the Hook Truck, Grilly Mac Grill Grill and Harley Street are up to. And the way that guy was making the cup of coffee it makes me go, oh, I really want a cup of coffee. Uh, well done. And I just think all those young entrepreneurs, I mean, they took such a leap of faith doing what they did during a pandemic as well. So we wish them all luck into the future. And I also spotted on the papers uh, today another young entrepreneur, Faye Bulger. She's a chef and owner at Bally Bia and she's serving food uh, up to 100 customers a night at the forecourt of a petrol station on Main Street in Bally de Hob. She's in the paper today saying overwhelmed by the response from uh, locals. She was considering her options during the pandemic and the owner of the former Shell filling station on Main Street in Bally de Hobbs suggested that this could be a novel use for the premises because it's outdoor dining. So she said they have capacity for about 50 people. She said they can have three turnovers a night. So on a busy night, weekend nights and, you know, staycationers, she said they can do up to about 100 people. And she says, um, Faye says it's something she probably wouldn't have considered prior to COVID so it's fair to say that they had to think outside the box and she's now as a young chef brought a new lease of life to the local village by transforming what was a derelict filling station on the main street and she's transformed it into an outdoor restaurant so good luck anybody around main street in Valley de Hob check out Faye Bulger and her outdoor dining it really does sound like it's uh, going to be a terrific success for her uh, this summer Okay, C103 Smart Speakers, you can stop texting us, please. Huge, huge response uh, to this again today. We have selected one of our listeners, Rachel O'Leary in Ballygarvan. Good morning. Good afternoon to you, Rachel. Morning, how are you? I'm very well. Is the sun shining in Ballygarvan? It sure is, yep. Clear blue skies? Yep. That's beautiful, isn't it? Did Did you have a very cloudy morning or were you sunny all morning? It was sunny all morning. Oh, was it? Yeah, because we, where, where I am, there was a lot of cloud, but it's finally uh, blown over. So what are you doing in Ballygarvan today? Um, just doing lots of jobs with the two small girls. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, trying to keep them entertained and... Exactly, yeah. trying to keep them cool. <laughs> OK, yeah, that's, that certainly is going to be the tough one across this yeah. weekend. OK, the winning phrase, please, Rachel. Uh, Play C103. Congratulations, you've just won for yourself a smart speaker. Uh, Thank you you very much. Do you have a smart speaker? No, we no. Well, there you go. And the children will absolutely adore it as well. Listen, enjoy and enjoy your weekend.
Thank you too. Thanks yeah, bye for that. Bye bye. That is Rachel O'Leary in Ballygarvan, our latest winner for a C103 smart speaker. More of those smart speakers to be given away this afternoon with Nick and Mark in for Martina. And would you believe we are doing it all over again next week? We have more of the C103 smart speakers to give away. Uh, thanks to Dundeal for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. You're going to have to once again remember though the winning phrase play C103 and listen chatting to Rachel there and she's trying to keep her smallies uh, busy and trying to keep them entertained and anyone with with children in the household would probably be interested to hear about this that the Neffet the National Public Health Emergency Team are going to be asked to provide guidelines for the safe performance of religious ceremonies over the summer. And this is coming from the Tánis de Lea of Radcar. Never are going to be asked to also look again at the issue of indoor summer camps. There was a number of indoor summer camps that were due to go ahead. Things like I heard of Lego camps, for example, which proved very popular over the last number of years. Any of the drama drama camps, even some of the Gaeltacht-based Irish courses, they obviously were all running. They thought they were going to get up and running indoors, doing everything right, you know, doing all the COVID criteria correctly, as you would do in a classroom uh, situation. But of course, suddenly last week, end, the rug was pulled out from under the indoor summer camp. So the Tánish de Lear Varadkar has revealed that he is sending a letter looking for greater latitude for some religious ceremonies. In particular, he's looking at things like christenings, First Holy Communions and Confirmations because many families were left very disappointed with the cancellation of communions and confirmations. But he also wants to look at facilities for children. Now, he's saying it'll have to be in line with public health uh, precautions. He was speaking in the door and he made the point that children under 12 will shortly be able to return home from next Monday. They'll be able to come home from holidays and without a vaccine and they won't need to have a PCR test or an antigen test at the moment if it's only the under 7s don't have PCR tests but from Monday the under 12s won't ha- have, have to do it and also we know from the 26th of this month they will be able to go in with their family and have dinner indoors inside in a restaurant they will be in there without a vaccine they won't have a PCR test they won't have an antigen test and yet they cannot currently go to summer classes or summer schools or summer camps they can't go to dance classes they can't go to stage schools coding workshops there was a lot of them planned uh, for for the summer or they can't be anywhere indoors with their friends yet only a number of weeks ago they were with probably that same group of friends when they were in a classroom setting so government backbencher and Fine Gael TD Emer Higgins she feels that there's mixed messaging going out to parents and to children alike on the issue and she said what can we do to provide them with a roadmap to get children back to being happy, being happy with their friends, socialising and also a lot of these summer camps are to do with gaining skills and are to do with gaining uh, confidence. So Leo Varadkar has interjected. Now there was a number of other opposition TDs and other backbench TDs who raised the same issue saying that there's a bit of mixed messaging going on here we need to do something. So Leo Varadkar said that he's going to ask Neffet to review two things over the next two weeks. One is how we might safely provide for religious ceremonies and to do that over the summer months. And he specifically includes christenings, confirmations and communions. And he says we will also ask Neffet to look again at the issue of indoor summer camps and whether they can be done with the same precautions that we apply in 
schools we've been doing it in June we'll be doing it again in September and he says we're going to ask Sneffa to consider both of those things and advise uh, advise the government on it and he's expecting that it will happen within the next week or two and it will have to be I would say a week rather than two weeks particularly if it's going to come to any of the summer indoor summer camps for children but when I heard that news break it was this day last week I'm sure I, I was off air I know when I heard the news break that the indoor summer camps which people had already organised when I realised that they weren't able to go ahead and that was the one thing that struck me but surely that's the very same setting as a classroom and we all of our schools remained once they went back there was you know they didn't go back until April but once they went back they all remained opened and you know I thought you know surely if they can do it in a classroom setting where the numbers would be probably much bigger than they would be in some of the smaller summer camps, the indoor summer camps and classes that, that are held. So, I mean, to me, I would have to agree with the Emer Higgins. It does seem to be a bit of mixed messaging for families. So we will watch that one uh, closely. And I know any family out there who had a son or a daughter for communion or confirmation will, will with keen interest, will await to see what Neffert comes back with. It's not to say that Neffert are going to take up Leo Varadkar on his idea, but anyway, he's looking for them, for them to take a look at it again. 1850 John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsey. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, uh, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you're very welcome. Okay, you have taken a look at two uh, movies. One is called Nobody and the second one is called Project Pay Day. Now I have a trailer from Nobody. Hey, I have an idea. How about I make that lasagna that you love tonight? You know, from scratch, like I used to. I used to work for some very dangerous people. 
But he came after my family. They stole my kitty cat bracelet. And you don't do that. Give me the kitty cat bracelet! It's been a hell of a day. It's uh, Okay, we've got a comedy here, have we? Oh, uh, well, I wouldn't call it a idea. It's an action comedy, but it's uh, it's uh, 16 rated, I think. It's uh, it's an incredibly violent uh, action comedy. Let me make that quite clear to everybody. Uh, it's written by the guy who uh, wrote John Wick. So if you've seen any of the John Wick films, you'll know uh, it's, there's yeah. kind of a similarity to it. Yeah. So uh, you expect an awful lot of action and violent action. And it is extraordinarily violent uh, at times. But uh, as you say, comedy, there is a lot of comedy. And I haven't enjoyed myself in front of a screen like this for a very, very long time. I mean, I just smiled and laughed my way throughout this whole thing and it's mainly down to the star uh, the star of this film here is um is bob odenkirk who you would have seen in better call Saul, because of course he doesn't look like an action hero and that's the thing about it and uh, and that's uh, obviously that's something they decided to target which is one of the reasons why i think he got the role because uh, one of the things i mean if you look down at the history of kind of action movies action stars are stars not because they're great actors, it's kind of really because of the way they look. Whereas here we have somebody who just looks like an ordinary, decent person, a father who goes to work every day, and there's a lovely sequence at the start, by the way, where they basically kind of, they, they, they film his trudge to work every day. He is bored, but, you know, he, 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 he goes to work, he earns money uh, to kind of uh, feed his family, he's got two kids and wife, and, and even though his life is a daily kind of a trudge, uh, he's happy where he is until one night um, a couple of people decide to uh, invade uh, his house and uh, he is given the chance to fight back but decides not to and lets them go. And of course then because of that his young son thinks he's a, he's a wimp and so does everybody else. And people keep asking him, you know, like the firefighters that arrive at the house, the, the police arrive and said, but you had a chance to take one of these guys out, why didn't you do it? And uh, he said, no, well, you know, I chickened out. So therefore nobody has any kind of real kind of respect for him without realizing that, of course, underneath it all, he is a man with a history and a very violent and dangerous history and um, and has a particular set of skills, uh, which we see and, uh, quite often. And the thing is, is that after the house invasion, because he feels ashamed himself, he just feels the need to kind of feel like, you know, the way he used to be. He wants the adrenaline rush again. And he's on the bus, and the bus is then invaded by a bunch of kind of Russian kind of monsters. And he just gets involved in this extraordinary fight which is one of the best fight scenes I have ever seen. And afterwards, even though he gets quite badly beaten, he just feels alive again. And uh, the problem is, though, like, uh, which was the story, I think, in John Wick as well, unfortunately, the one of the Russians that he fights with, his father, is a, is a Russian mobster, and so therefore the Russian mob come after him and his family. And I tell, the reason, the reason, well, there's a couple of reasons why this uh, does work. I mean, the thing is, is that one of the problems for me with John Wick is that... Um, if John Wick is, you know, decides to attack a house with like a hundred people, and he decides to kill a hundred people, uh, each kill just becomes more boring and more boring after a while because it means absolutely nothing. But here in this film, every time Bob Odenkirk pulls, you know, throws a punch or or, or takes out his gun, there's a reason for it. And so there, because of that, it kind of makes it kind of really, really exciting because then you feel like you, that you can identify with him. He's not a kind of a superhuman. Unfortunately, about three quarters of the way uh, into the film, they decided to go all John Wick on us and do that very thing, which is, and that was the only scene in the whole film that I didn't like. Up until then, I had a great time. And it was great to watch uh, Odin Cork, as I say, who doesn't look like an action hero, but boy, can he fight and boy, can he look after his family. And of course, the thing is, is that, as I say, like most action heroes are action heroes and stars because of the way they look. They can't particularly act, 
but Odenkirk can. And so therefore you have this incredible combination of somebody who worked very, very hard uh, to uh, be involved in all the fight scenes, didn't have a stuntman, and at the same time can do comedy and can perform and can act, and that makes it much more exciting. And it was very exciting, and I, I loved it. I loved every single moment of it, apart from that little section near the end uh, where it turned into John Wick, and that was a bit of a shame. Okay, so, but the age group you would pitch this at? Oh, very much. Well, from 16 plus, anyway. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. beware. It is, it is violent. I mean, it really is. But uh, it's also very funny and hugely entertaining. And uh, I think it's better than the John Wick films. And, uh, you know, I will certainly recommend it to anybody uh, over 16, that is, of course. Okay, so mark it out of 10? I would have given it a 10, apart from oh, that scene that I didn't like. Okay. So I, I'll, I'll drop it down a couple of points and I'll give it 8. Okay, 8 out of 10. And it is called Nobody. And where is that available? Uh, I, that is available both on the Sky Store and it's on the Play Store. Yes. It's about fifteen ninety nine. Okay. Uh, I think it's cheaper on the on the Sky Store, but uh, to keep that in mind, it's it's not the cheapest. But uh, you know, that's okay. how much it costs. Okay. Your second movie that you watch for us is Project Payday. What are we looking at yeah. here? Yeah, it's a comedy. It's a kind of a small, a small budget kind of little movie that kind of you know used to would have gone straight to kind of video uh, back in the old days, and um, it's a film which kind of, I think, is looking back at kind of the 80s and looking at those kind of John Hughes films and trying its best to kind of adopt the same kind of feeling um, that those films did. And obviously the director here, Greg Curran, is kind of looking for that. He's looking for that kind of Ferris Bueller-type kind of uh, feel to it. It doesn't really quite work, but at least, uh, you know, to be fair to him, he did try his best. Um, it's about these three young people, these three young teens. Their their summer is coming up. Uh, they're, they're all uh, 15. And they have this conversation where you know, they can still enjoy summer because once you get 16, parents expect their kids to take kind of summer jobs where they, they're thinking, well, great, we're fine. We're not quite 16 yet. And so we're just going to have the best summer ever until their parents get together and decide to come to them and say, no, you got to get summer jobs. And at the end of the year, we want to see a nice little kind of hefty kind of bank balance. Uh, and um, and so you've got to work for it. And so they initially, of course, uh, don't exactly respond very positively to this. Um, and they decide, no, what they're going to do is they will pretend that they have got jobs and pretend to their parents that they do, but at the same time try and kind of have these kind of quick uh, kind of um, get-rich-money schemes, you know, and so they try mm-hmm. all kinds of strange ways and, and odd ways of trying desperately to kind of earn this money because um, of the three of them, the girl is kind of uh, the, the more kind of mathematical of the three of them, and so she decides that between the three of them they have to earn about $5,000 uh, by the end of, of the summer. And there's also kind of a subplot, too, about uh, stolen uh, gold coins as well, um, which kind of runs its way through the film, and you know what's going to happen by the end of it. It's a small film. It's a tiny film. Uh, no big stars on it. I don't didn't really recognize anybody um, in the film. Um, and it doesn't really quite work, because I think it's based on a book, and I think it's almost like they kind of copied and pasted the kind of uh, the narrative and, and the script from the book straight into the film. And, of course, kids don't really talk that way. You can get away with it in a novel, I think. But, but 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 kids don't really talk. They're not really that clever. They're not really that smart. And there's a lot of jokes in it. And uh, the jokes don't always work. Some of them kind of crash and burn. But when they do work and when they do hit, it's really funny. And the three main leads are very sweet and, and, and good to, to, to watch. And they're very funny at times. But uh, as I say, some of the jokes do crash and burn. And that's a pity. And it needed just better direction and better kind of editing. It needed to be quicker and faster for what it wanted to try and do. As for all of that, it's very sweet. I mean, anybody can watch this. Parents can watch this with their kids. There's no swearing. There's nothing here that will offend anybody. And that's the thing. And I think if you ask me, you know, what, you know, what's my review? I'd say it's, it's an inoffensive, 
sweet little film. Yeah, and, and sometimes nothing wrong, I, I, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I think for families sometimes that's exactly what you need is a nice, sweet little movie that everyone can sit down and enjoy. Exactly, and that's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah, the, one of the um, I can't remember her name. But, um, I'm trying to see if I can spot it here. Uh, yes, uh, the girl is played by a girl by the name of, name of Quinn McCoggan. <laughs> Obviously, of some kind of Irish background. I thought of the three. I thought she was terrific, and uh, I'd like to see her again. I thought she was great. Uh, one of the mothers, too, of one of the uh, three teams, also was very, very good indeed as well. And uh, so the performances are good. Um, as I say, it doesn't always work. Um, but look, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. Okay, mark it out of ten. I, you know, I'll give it seven. Seven out of ten, okay, yeah. and it's called Project Payday. Okay, listen, have a good week. Oh, you're back with us this afternoon. You're filling for Martina? I am indeed. Okay, we look forward to hearing you. Talk listen, you thanks know. for that, and uh, we'll chat again to Mark uh, next Friday. Um, that's Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, and I just spotted a text in the middle of all of the texts that came in for our smart speaker competition with somebody saying hi Patricia do you know for people who got their COVID vaccinations at St. Joseph's Foundation uh, did anyone of did the, any of them get their COVID certificate well I, I do know because that's where Marsha my daughter got hers uh, she got her certificate actually she would have been in the first lot that were posted out and they're randomly generated by the way I was wondering were they doing it alphabetically or were they doing it by a, regional areas but we're told that they're not they were just randomly selected as to how they were posted out so she got it by post as I say, uh, the day after that they were issued and they're still continuing to issue them by post. So I, I take it everybody at St. Joseph's Foundation will be getting them by post. And remember the postal ones, it's up to next Tuesday of next week, they reckon, before they'll have all of the certs over a million of them which are to be delivered by a post so keep a look out for your postman OK that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we'll be back with you on Monday morning at uh, 10 o'clock and let's hope we all have a wonderful weekend with the weather forecast get out and enjoy it until then I'm Patricia Messenger good afternoon and stay safe Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.